This season of Smashing the Ceiling is brought to you by the Skylark Collective. Skylark is a new London-based network for women in podcasting, and this year we'll be hosting the inaugural International Women's Podcast Awards at the Albright in London. The collective exists to raise the voices of women in podcasting, both behind the mic and behind the scenes, and to showcase the work of women out there producing incredible audio moments through the medium of podcasting. So if you've got your own podcast or you're thinking of starting one, Head to our website at skylarkcollective.co.uk for more information or follow us on socials at the Skylark Collective. Now, on with the show. The important thing and, and where the ethos start is about wanting to empower women and mothers and remind them of the impact that their role truly has in society because society does not tell us that. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers, those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who've just had a really interesting life. If you're looking for inspiration for your career, if you feel a little stuck or bored with what you're doing right now, or if you're in search of the road less travelled job-wise, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right? And how their mentors, mistakes and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. Sometimes you meet someone whose energy, creativity and drive just blows you away. And Monique Hodgson is one of those people. Monique is a Latin American trailblazer on a mission to redefine motherhood through her company, Mumble Forum. Monique established Mumble in 2019 as a platform to unite women through motherhood with the objective of creating social change, collectively and individually. She says that mothers are underestimated, undervalued and underutilised, and that the world is suffering both metaphorically and economically because of this. Monique is from Panama and after moving alone to Milan at the age of 18 to study in the fashion capital of the world, she found herself in London working in the ambassadorial services at the Panamanian embassy. Her work has stretched from fashion to international politics and commerce to luxury branding and events. We talked a lot in this interview about strong women, being them, raising them and inspiring them and how Monique's ambition to change the perception of motherhood drives everything she does at Mumble. I love the fact that you describe yourself on one of your bios as born in Panama, but made in Milan. Um, can you tell me a little bit about growing up in Panama and what were your kind of ambitions and dreams when you were a little girl, Monique? Absolutely. Firstly, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Um, yeah, so born in Panama, made in Milan. That is, <laughs> it is my tagline, but it's quite <laughs> funny. So Panama is where I was born and where I'm from and um, it's in Latin America which is quite far away from Europe so you would probably wonder why on earth did I cross the ocean <laughs> on this <laughs> side of the earth um, so that is to do with my my dreams actually. I grew up in in Panama as I said and I've always since I have memory had had a passion for creating things and designing. I always thought I was almost 100% I was going to be a fashion designer and I think I drove my mother absolutely crazy. <laughs> if I need to do a design, I need to go to Europe, like Europe, Europe, Europe. My mom is like, are you sure? Because you can go to Texas, just right around the corner, Miami. <laughs> you know, she really wanted me to stay a bit closer because I'm only child as well. Okay. And I okay. come from uh, a very close family, um, you know, strong female 
women all own their businesses. So for me, I just knew I wanted to do something and eventually own my own business. And I thought the design was going to be it. Um, and she basically threw a quarrel at me and she said, look, if you want to go to Milan and you want to be uh, have your own business and, and be a designer, I think you need to go for fashion business. Because within, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, it's about how who's going to buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ultimately, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, I think you're right. <laughs> so that was the deal. She was going to send me to, to Milan if I would go first for fashion design, for, sorry, fashion business. And if that makes sense to me, then go into design and then learn how to do the actual product. And what actually became quite um, eye-awakening for me was... So I moved to Milan, I spent four years there and went to Instituto Rangoni, which is the place to be for mm. fashion. Um, Domenico Cabana graduated from there, so it's quite prestigious. And I was really like... On... It's like the central St. Martins of Italy, isn't it? It's like yes. St. Martins, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on cloud nine, you know, there's no <laughs> dorms. So I was living by myself in an apartment in Milan, <laughs> having to learn Italian because that was the other commitment. The classes were only in Italian. And I'm like, yep. I'll sign up for that. So I I took an Italian course one month before flying to Italy. I was like, yep, I think I've got this. Absolutely (laughs) did not. But (laughs) I just was so determined because I already said yes. And I've been always so stubborn that I just went for it. And thankfully, I do speak Italian now. And um, it's just been a wonderful experience. And I say made in Milan because four years, you know, during that that ages of your life where you were between you know 18 to 20 something that's kind of what really makes your core mm. and what really turns into realization that what you want to do and what was it that kind of stimulated your interest in fashion was like your mother very interested in fashion or what kind of gave you that passion in the first place money where do you think that came from um that's a good question actually so my my mom owns magazine she's always been in journalism and my granddad owns a newspaper in Panama they've always been again writers etc but I've always been more interested on the backstage of things and the taking the photos and the clothing um that side of the business and I I think that that's where I realized this is something I really really enjoy and love um so creating and yeah I think it's probably from there and I've always loved drawing I was always told I was a good drawer I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know if that's true I mean I I have won a few things and I absolutely love it but um yeah it probably comes from there from being exposed to that my my grandmother also owns beauty salons so it's just anything that's creative yeah. hands-on I uh, was beaming I loved it and it sounds like the women in your family as you said are very entrepreneurial business-minded were you kind of always knew that you wanted to kind of run your own business and was that kind of instilled in you as you can do anything you can be anything you know what was the kind of ethos of you growing up with those strong women around you that is really good. I, mean, I never thought about it, but I think, yeah, it was very normalized that owning a business as a female was a thing. Women are really in a good place there. And I think um, culturally, women are really strong, but in, in very opinionated in Latin America. <laughs> and, you know, the patriarch, it's actually a female, it's usually the grandmother, it's usually a female role. And um, men don't. <laughs> don't get much to say on family matters it's always a female and I always just for me it's so funny because the the whole wanting to empower women was because I just thought that was the norm and everybody would that was the scenario and then to realize that that in many countries and for many cultures that isn't the case I just couldn't believe um how how limiting would it be because as a Mm -hmm. child 
you just want to be told that there aren't limitations and you want to instill that to your children. And I think unconsciously I was probably told that. And my mom always said, yeah, you, you'll go places, go. And gave me the tools. And it was just really liberating. And I guess that's that's what I feel passionate about now as a parent of doing that and hopefully doing to the next level, you know, the 2.0 version. We always yeah. say you need to make every generation a bit better. <laughs> Definitely. So you tipped up in Milan when you were 18 years old. I mean, that's a big move when you're 18 on your own to go to another continent, to live alone, to learn a new language. You're taking a degree in a different language. How did you kind of manage all of that, I guess? Like, how did you settle in and how did you cope with all of that big change all at once? Are you a person that copes well with change generally, do you think? My mum was extremely worried that I was just <laughs> going to say, <laughs> I mean, she's, she's suddenly flying me to Milan and then leaving her one daughter, single, you know, only child in this country and going, not just, you know, continent and going away. And so she was very nervous, but I was so excited and so determined to learn about the world and to just discover a new city. And to me, it was the excitement that kept me going. I just kept figuring things out as I was going. And I was very lucky to just come across incredible people and my friends. And I think everything you do, as long as you have the right network and the right community, circle of people around you, it doesn't matter where you are, whether China or whatever, if you find your tribe, Mm -hmm. you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think I was lucky enough. I connected ahead of time uh, with people um, through online and uh, students and sort of, you know, from, from my degree. And we kind of were all in the same page. They were all coming from different parts of the world and absolutely, you know, on the same page. And I think that makes you feel confident. You spent four years in Milan at the college there. It's Fashion is kind of famously quite a cutthroat business. How did you settle into the business side of things? Because I know you worked in Milan after your degree, didn't you? Or during your degree? Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. I think the, the one thing that I didn't love was perhaps some of the soulless part of fashion, mm -hmm. but I really, really enjoy the storytelling side. Mm -hmm. And I really, really feel passionate about branding. Um, which is something I still do till this day. So the, the beauty of it is that going into fashion business really got me to understand the powerful storytelling that brands do, because ultimately they're not selling you a bag, they're selling you a movement, they're selling you a dream, they're selling you a story. And mm -hmm. I just always thought that blew my mind. And then I discover as well the power of uh, within branding, of corporate social responsibility. And that side really attracted me because I wanted to do something that even though had creatives in it, that had also a positive impact. And I wasn't sure fashion was necessarily for me just because of that. Mm. But I loved the entire uh, building of a intangible value and branding and all that. So I knew that that's where I wanted to, to go. So I was in the right place, but when I graduated, I, I knew that I didn't want my first formal job to be in fashion. Mm -hmm. So I flew to London and, yeah, the next city, <laughs> and I <laughs> decided to, to work in politics because I knew that you can still apply storytelling for countries. Countries ultimately are like brands. They need to sell themselves. They need to profile themselves in order to increase their their tourism and that ultimately goes into the economy so I just knew that there was something there and um, I wanted to try and do country branding for Panama so I ended up working at the embassy of Panama here in in the UK 
Mm. So that, that's the leap from fashion into, into the embassy. It's a really interesting story, that transition. And, and why did you decide that you didn't want to work in fashion, having just spent four kind of glorious years in the cultural capital of fashion of the world? Um, did you just think that there was more out there, more to learn? Or did you kind of feel that that perhaps wasn't for you in some ways? I think you just put it, said it yourself. I feel there was this, there was more to see, more to learn. And after mm. four years, I really feel that I have absolutely absorbed it all mm. and I thought and I felt like um I took everything that I needed for my next step but I wasn't sure necessarily that was the industry I wanted to to stay in mm. um because I felt for some reason my calling was somewhere else mm. there was just something telling me you're calling it somewhere else and mm. I as much as I like the industry it is quite you know throat cutting and it's mm. a little bit um not very sustainable that there's so many also negative aspects to it mm. and I just wanted to make sure that my contribution and whatever I was doing for work was something that had the word sustainable on it and mm. had the word impact on it and I mm. thought fashion gave me the tools of how to create a story and how to do it in an amazing you know luxury way and all that which which I apply massively in absolutely everything I do um but I think that that's the interesting thing is not having to just using that and applying in another context. It makes you then more different in approach mm. in that context. So whoever didn't study that and studied just to actually work in an embassy might not see things that I see. Yeah. And this is why it's beautiful because then I bring something new to the table that expands our horizons and actually just doing things in a new way really is, is moving us forward. Oh, Monique, I love that. Yeah, I think that thing about transferable skills is so important and it's so easy to pigeonhole yourself. And I think as women, sometimes we are nervous about stepping outside of the box and, you know, looking for what we can do that is not the obvious. And and actually, it seems like you've really kind of done that. And it's a big decision, I guess, to have, you know, if you'd had a dream of being a fashion designer and kind of persuaded your parents that going to Milan was a good thing, and actually to kind of take that step, move to another new country, learn another language, you know, it's it's amazing that you did that. Thankfully, English wasn't new for me. Okay. So my dad's from New York. Oh, is he? Okay. When I was little, I spoke both languages. And Panama is very, very bilingual. It's a country that is is dollarized for a start. Mm -hmm. And also there's a massive American culture there. Um, You know, there's no, the cinemas are fully in English. Everybody speaks Spanglish. It's it's (laughs) hilarious. Uh, There's a story there why we even had, uh, you know, uh, military troops there. And it's all because of the canal. Um, which is ultimately a massive thing for our country and why we're so tiny yet so important for the world. Um, So yeah, I was lucky that I didn't thankfully have to learn another language. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're just expanding your repertoire. Um, So you ended up in London and you went to work in politics at the embassy. How did that come about? And do you want to tell us a little bit about what you did there and what your role was? Sure. No, absolutely. So my my role was uh, to do bilateral relationships between Panama and the UK and the way we were doing that is is ultimately creating events and creating interest showcasing what Panama has to offer from tourism point of view and investment point of view I also have got a background in sales um so for me that was again another transferable skill it's not you know diplomats don't necessarily are salespeople, but you do need to sell your country so again it's something that played into into favor 
Um, and that, that was, yeah, so it less necessarily dealing with policy and politics and more towards a commercial side of things. So, so trying to bring investment to the country and, uh, and trying to, to increase tourism. And we're a very small team. So a lot of, you know, you do step into a lot of things. And I think that's what makes the experience so fascinating because you had experiences to, you know, sometimes had to be on a meeting talking about shipping. And I'm like, oh, that, that's interesting. <laughs> it just truly expands your horizons. And what it does is instead of seeing business as a industry, you see, you see this as, you know, world affairs. You know, mm. you suddenly start caring what's happening in this country, what's happening here what's the country relationship and countries behave almost like people, you know, they have their own personalities and their own interests. And, you know, my role was to basically look after Panama's interest in here in the UK within commerce. So, yeah. It's absolutely fascinating. And because I think that kind of world of international affairs, international relations, it's a world that we don't get often a kind of lifting of the lid and to have a, a sort of look on the inside, I suppose, Monique. And, and actually, I think when you're you know, the representation of your country on the world stage is something that just is quietly done without you even thinking about it. But actually, it's so important, isn't it? It's so important. And and if I can put it into one word, what diplomacy is, it's all about creating relationships that would eventually be positive for your country. So you just got to go to a lot of meetings, um, keep your country relevant on the news, um, keeping people interested. And it's just being a point of contact literally in from from that country towards yours and you mentioned tourism and and shipping there for people who don't know much about Panama what kind of um what other sort of things would you be really advocating for for them as a country as you know and and what if people were to go to Panama as a tourist would they be expecting when they got there because it's a little country as you said but one that perhaps doesn't get the kudos it deserves in the UK absolutely no I think that's a really good question so yeah a lot of people don't know about it it's a tiny country there's three million habitats it's very safe uh it's it's culturally very enriching so so it, it was basically um, established originally by Spanish colony. So there's a lot of infrastructure there that, that looks European. Mm-hmm. And as time moved on, then we also have infrastructure there that looks really New York and Miami. So the beauty of a country that's so new, because when I'm here in, in Europe, everything has so much history and yeah. the buildings alone are older than my country. You know, for me, it's mind blowing. Um but it's so lovely also to go to a country where you can see the story in the infrastructure. You can see where it's gone through and what happened. And, mm. you know, we've been even at some point invaded by, by pirates, stole our gold. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much history there. But also it's a very rich in nature. And um, I just literally can talk about it for ages. So. Yeah. yeah, amazing. <laughs> so after working in... Um, you know, you've worked in commerce and I noticed on your LinkedIn, you've been in and around the film world as well. Your husband, Matt, is a is a film producer. What, and then you decided in 2019 to set up Mumble after having your daughter. Can you tell us a little bit about deciding to become a mom and how you kind of handled that in the first place um, with regard to your career? Did, was that something that you planned with regard to work, Monique? No. So we, I met my husband, Matt, who, yes, indeed, he's a film director. I met him here in London um, whilst working at the embassy. And we've basically been together ever since. I think it's going to be close to eight years now. Um, And we got married and 
shortly after that, we we got pregnant, and Mia was born, my first child. And uh, we did we did not plan to 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 get pregnant that quickly, so it, we were both surprised. <laughs> but it was such an incredible surprise, and I believe that a lot of things do happen for a reason. Like I, some things you can control in your life, and some things you just have to t- go and take on. And you know, I just jump into that role because it was given to me, and I um, embraced it. And it was really uh, eye awakening, but at the same time, quite identity shifting. So I believe that that obviously led to the creation of Mumble Forum because of the experience I had and the realization of how many things just still were not where they needed to be, you know, concept of what motherhood is expected of and how things should be. And also, like I said earlier on, you will be okay as long as you find your tribe. And I, mm. I didn't find my tribe of the kind of people with the mindset that, that I had. So I would just run into mom groups that they all they would talk about. It was like nappies and feeding and sleeping. And I'm like, that's great. But what about you? What are your dreams and aspirations? And how do you, do you want to do that as well? So I I just, instead of shaping myself into the label, I, I just wanted to create my own way. And, and I realized there were women like me who would come from corporate or who would come from background of entrepreneurial and become moms and then having to do that challenge of, balancing both and having the interest in talking about it and that for me that that was my tribe so I knew <laughs> I knew that I wanted to formalize this and just just find more people that felt that way to join us because I knew if they find their tribe then they were going to be all right so did you go back to work at the embassy after you had uh, me or did you set up mumble while you were kind of on maternity and things I took a long break it wasn't planned but it just happened um so embassies do do tend to be quite political at points and so we had a change of government and they just completely changed the team to the new government uh team so I was I was like okay I might as well just take a little bit of a break and actually it it turned out to be almost a year and a half (laughs) and I and I just the kind of person I just can't keep my my creative off um, I just always needed to be creating. And I realized that the, the problem with motherhood, in my opinion, was that it needed to be rebranded. It needed to, to change the narrative. And that's that's what I basically set myself to do. And it kept me happy because I felt I was doing something that keeps me purpose and keeps me busy whilst being with Mia. Um, and then the, another government came again, mine, the one I belonged to. And so I was called to come back. And I, yeah, and I, and I'm so loving now having to do the embassy, having Mumble as well, and and having my children. I'm now do my second one in yeah. a couple of weeks. So it, it's it's a juggle, but it's really exciting, and I'm so so thankful for that. We'll come on to the juggle in a minute. But when you started Mumble, you obviously had a grain of an idea. You're an extremely creative person. You kind of knew that you wanted to find other women like you and mothers like you who had this idea that they wanted to be amazing mothers but also continue to work on themselves how did you go about kind of setting up in the beginning money because I think often people would look at mumble now it's a really established and fantastic brand you know you have wonderful branding wonderful events but how did you start at the very beginning like when you were getting going um that's a good question I started by designing a logo (laughs) (laughs) I'm a firm believer that when you do have a logo, like the concept of having a logo on a flag, it sounds silly, but that is the beginning of something that people would then go on and identify yeah. with. So I, I just started looking for a name that's something that resonated 
my husband came up with a name, funnily enough, mumble. It's a pun. It's, you know, mumbling is when yeah. you're like talking a lot and kind of not <laughs> saying much. And I and I did enjoy the fact that I could rebrand this as an irony because yeah. I wanted to to gather women that had lots to say. <laughs> and I wanted women of essence. And ultimately I thought just calling it mumble was was a funny way of going about it. Um so that that's where I started. That once I created the logo, I created an eth- I wrote a mission and a, vi- and a vision that I wanted to be. So ultimately creating the dream first. What's your vision? What, what's your intention? And then basically selling that into my my tribe and then I went into my friends and I said do you feel like you would like to belong to this like does this resonate with you and I just got a lot of feedback and it was all really positive and and just to my surprise they were not just excited but they wanted to join and and to help grow this like they believed that there was a situation that we all need to address and so they felt we can go all behind this this logo (laughs) we can all carry this flag we have a flag now and mm-hmm. I think that that's almost when you think of countries that's the beginning if you have a flag you have a land then you can start building <laughs> I love that yeah and actually do you know what that's such wise advice I think for people starting out is that you build your brand and your ethos and your vision as a starting point and I love the idea of beginning with a logo and funny enough that's actually what I did with Skylark like that's you know the name came and then the logo came and everything else has built along that and it, it really gives you if you've got a beautiful brand or a beautiful logo that you really feel sums you up as a business or a person I think it really allows you to stand behind that but I love the analogy about countries and flags actually because you're right that if you you've got something to unite your tribe haven't you yeah, and, and and not just the logo, but the right of what mm. of what that is about. So then people would would not just read it, but see it, and then ask themselves, do I identify with this? And that's that's the beginning, definitely. And I would say, you know, for entrepreneurs out there, that probably the second best st- thing I did was to create a website. I started just with a landing page, and I created as well uh, the Instagram, and just started doing sort of the 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 lifestyle thing sort of started to create in the vibe um, and that that's sort of the start. So, so once you have a logo and you have an online presence and you obviously after identifying the things you want to do, I think that's definitely the way to start the movement. And tell us a little bit about what your vision for Mumble is, Monique, and what you guys stand for there with regard to your ethos and, and your brand. Absolutely. So as I said, it was, it was from my background, as you know, I just want to brand everything. So <laughs> and you're really good at it. This girl is amazing. If you want to see how social media should be done, I will link to Monique's socials in the website, in the show notes, because she is fucking awesome. So <laughs> honestly, branding for me is, 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 is all about really, when you think of human interactions it's all about the stories isn't it so ultimately out of everything you do on a company branding is what gets your clients branding is what gets your identity and so start you know that that's something for me that really love it because I can use my creative hat I can use my strategic hat and yeah so so going back to your question the mumble from how the ethos start and what we stand for so we are all about wanting to empower women we want to um, instill and inspire social change. I'll go into that in a minute. And we also want to um, inspire future generations because that's all ultimately connected. And that, you know, often it comes people thinking, can you and now that your mom do anything else? And all really studies have shown that people that become parents uh, actually develop skills that are 
absolutely transferable into the workforce and you become better at multitasking, you become better at empathy, you become, you just, you know, you just have to wear all these roles as a parent that all of that does add into a positive effect into work. The important thing and and where the ethos start is about wanting to empower women and mothers and remind them of the impact that their role truly has in society because society does not tell us that it tells mm. us that your role isn't that important and that once you become a mother it, your your skills are are questioned and doubted and your performance might be think as somebody that can't achieve that much if you're a parent mm. and actually that to me did not sit well i i was just not happy about it i thought this is not the truth how can we possibly be seen as less when you actually step into a better place as a human and you become more empathetic you become more productive you become a multitasker and those are all skills that management needs so i i Funnily enough, that that's one of the reasons why part of our ethos is empowering mothers is to remind them of their power and the importance that they the role has in society. Um, next one is empowering the next generation. So um, giving mothers tools, and you know, we don't only discuss about our own personal growth, but we discuss about how can we be the best parents we can be. How can we create the 2.0 version I was talking about? You know, make our children better more confident maybe try how can we avoid them of having to go and figure it out imposter syndrome you know because mm. it does come from things that you experienced during your childhood mm. so how can I avoid this um, for my child and basically build a stronger generation and I think if we our impact is starting to put that seed from the beginning try and give our children that mindset that girls you can do it boys yes you can cry and it's okay to be vulnerable. And, you know, all those little things that sound, you know, minor, they have such an impact ultimately in society because those are people that are going to go and, and run the world one day. And I love that idea of, you know, everything you do being about social impact and that kind of idea of inspiring the next generation as well. And um, I know that you do a lot of work partnering with um, brands and also a lot of charitable aspects with Mumble as well. How, how have you kind of woven those I guess the corporate social responsibility side of things with brands and the kind of charitable aspects into the business. And was that something that you had on your mind from day one, Monique? Absolutely. Uh, that was actually one of the first pillars that we stood for. It's doing philanthropy work. Um, I felt that, you know, as as mothers and, and in a very privileged position, we felt it was difficult. I just couldn't imagine being a parent and being in a circumstances disadvantage. So doing philanthropy for charities that support mother and children was pivotal for us. And just to link it to how it goes into branding. So for, for brand partnerships, we, as I said, in my experience with fashion, I realized that corporate social responsibility is a big part of companies and, and it's becoming more and more relevant as we progress. And I, I sort of wanted to create the activity or the platform for them to just be able to jump in and, and associate their brand with our work. Because the important thing is to have the highly curated as, aspect. The story is quite clear and they can back it up. So mm. that's what we intend to continue doing. And with, with every event, we, we always want to link it to 
a charity was somehow a way of creating an impact. I know obviously the last year you has been probably a bit, <laughs> it's been a challenge for everyone, but we're having launched a new company literally just before the pandemic started. How have you kind of pivoted with Mumble during the lockdown and how have you kind of managed running a new business uh, and building the community virtually, I guess, Monique, did you have to kind of think on your feet quite quickly with changing of plans for that? The funny thing is, it instead of being a negative thing, it was quite revealing because there was never a time where parents needed more support of a mm. tribe and more, more, you know, resources for, for them to move forward. And lockdown was very challenging. And if, if, if it was more challenging for one aspect, it was definitely most impactful for parents um just being at home with their children and having to work and have no childcare because there was absolutely no possibility of that so you know we would gather um have a zoom talks and we would just get the people together and get our experts more importantly giving them actual expert advice with with hacks and things to do so they could keep their sanity and what's next for you because i know you um have also been asked to be the founding editor of Women of the City Mama, which is an extension of an amazing magazine called Women in the City, which people, if people haven't seen that, then it's definitely go and have a look. Um, it's W-O-T-C. And Monique is going to be involved with their new branch uh, for mothers. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what's coming up for Mumble as well, Monique? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like you said, W-O-T-C, which is Women of the City magazine, are launching um, different uh, op- alternatives of magazines as well coming from their original brand and they're, one of them is motherhood they're doing also one on tech uh, women on tech um, oh, cool. so I've been asked to be involved on the motherhood uh, due to my mumble obviously and as a contributing editor uh, I'm going to be helping them with the with a vision and trying to to make sure it speaks to mothers and also um point them out to women that I think should be highlighted that are doing incredible things, um, telling them from my experience the stories that are relevant. And it's really exciting because they obviously see that there is a massive market there. So the mag is not just for mothers, but it's, it's, it's mainly for women, mothers that have got their own businesses and that they want to champion for that because it is has that, adds that extra level of mm. um, challenges and so yeah it's it's really exciting and it's launching in a few months time so stay tuned and we've talked a lot about you know being a mother but and everything that you're doing you're clearly a very successful entrepreneurial woman Monique there is absolutely no doubt about that and you're balancing motherhood we talk a lot about the juggle when you're a mother how do you kind of balance the juggle and how do you look after yourself and make sure that you are getting the time and space that you need as well god I honestly I think it's having an amazing um, team around you but most importantly your partner my husband is incredibly hands-on he is very much, you know, about supporting me in my dreams. And I think that is a key, you know, for a woman is to also find a partner that supports you rather than, than trying to keep you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I by no means think I have it all figured out. But there are days that I wonder what on earth <laughs> is going on and I just literally can't cope. But the important thing, and I think the key thing is to keep showing up 
-hmm. and to just keep on going because that alone is is moving forward and is and is showing people that you're just there continuously and and it's about not giving up um alone along the way things do fall into place and the more you do something the, the more skillful you become at it so i think now i'm a bit better at balancing both but uh god i i don't have all the answers i think that's why it's a continuous conversation with women and trying to continue to see what is that you're doing what how can we possibly do it better having your support network just the pressure of having to do things perfectly shouldn't be there it definitely you know there is a bit of comparison like oh she look this look at this mom on instagram she looks like she has it all figured out but ultimately people need to remember they just post the good moments and there are tantrums in the background and it is okay <laughs> nobody ever sees the tantrums and the nappies and, and and all the times when you're so tired that you can't think properly and you know it's it's definitely I I love the phrase that comparison is the thief of joy and um it's something I say an awful lot but it's easy to say harder to do um but yeah it's it's definitely something I think is a, a message to be putting out to to all women out there Yes, I love that what you just said about uh, comparison is the killer of joy. Because when you, for example, you think of nature and you think of flowers and how they bloom at their different times and paces and how they're all different. I think the key is that not focusing on trying to morph yourself into be something you're not. But mm. if you just focus on your own path, your own kind, you know, your own uh, skills and your own struggles I think that is the key of joy and probably social media makes that a bit more difficult but just mm -hmm. being aware and mindful that everybody's got their own journeys and their own struggles that they're probably not sharing with you <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and just finally money where can people find you if they're interested in what you're up to where's the best place for them to find out what you're doing Absolutely. So in relations to Mumble is definitely at Mumble Forum on Instagram or mumbleforum.com. And my personal page is Monique underscore Vega, which is my pre-married name. And I've kept <laughs> kept on social. Um, but yeah, that, that's where you probably could find me and follow me and see what, what I'm up to. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please just share it wherever you can on your own social media. And if you found the podcast interesting or useful, then do please tell a friend because we are always keen for new listeners. If you can find it in your heart to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or give us a shout out on your socials, then we'd love you very much as it genuinely does help other people to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Skylark Collective and our website is www.skylarkcollective.co.uk. See you next time.